When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Uplifting Impact's podcast. I'm Deanna Singh, founder and chief change agent with Uplifting Impact, and I am so excited to be hosting you today as we get to do a deeper dive into our journey of what makes this world more diverse, more equitable, and more inclusive. Today, I am so excited because I'm going to be talking to Zen, to, excuse me, Jen Zephrin. I wanted to put that Zeph in there right away, Jen, because as we were talking about before we got on the call, my son's name is Zeph and I, so I'm so excited about your last name too. <laughs> so today we're going to be talking uh, to, to Jen and Jen is actually at Match Group. She is the head of diversity, equity, and inclusion, and she is responsible for developing and implementing programs to achieve Match Group's diversity goals. Now, she has done a lot of things before coming into this role. She most recently served as the diversity and inclusion business partner for technology at Uber Technologies. And prior to that, she was a private DEI consultant for brands like Unilever and the Levo Institute. She also served as Visa's director of diversity and inclusion and developed their first leadership development program for underrepresented communities and I love this. She actually helped Visa put together their first appearance in San Francisco's Pride Parade. Now she is in her hometown, Brooklyn, New York, and we are so excited to have her on the show. Welcome. Thank you so much for having me. And and don't fret, there are actually a few people in the world who um, refer to me as Zen Jen, so that's okay. I just had to get that Z out there. My my children are always like, they, you know, there's Zephaniah and Zion, and they're always like, we don't meet people who have Zs in their names. So I I, I think I was just, you know, that that's that mom in me. <laughs> <laughs> totally so Jen, one of the things we like to ask our our guests is, what brings you joy? Like, what is something that makes you smile? Initially, I mean, just meeting you here. So so something that makes me smile. Um, well, shoes. So if I'm going <laughs> to be honest, um, a gorgeous pair of shoes, but honestly, my work, my work brings me a lot of joy. Being able to make that impact on someone's life and and especially in the past year and a half, it's been a really intense world in diversity, equity, and inclusion. Um, a lot of people are maybe waking up to how um, DE&I affect them in the workplace um, and affect their teams in the workplace. But it's something I've been involved with and working in for over a decade. We won't put much more time around how much time that's been, but my work brings me joy. And even at the most stressful times, if there's one person, there's one story, there's one thank you, that 
that somehow carries me through. I mean, whether it's through the week, whether it's through five years, it doesn't matter. It just helps me, reminds me of the impact and work I'm I'm making on the world. Aside from that, certainly um, a really lovely beach vacation out (laughs) on, you know, Cape Cod or Cabo San Lucas, whatever it is. But but definitely the little things, whether like I remember really, really early on in my career, we had, we were working on a return to work program for, for moms specifically. And we were working with an external company. We had the budget and that was fantastic. And I think it was my manager who mentioned something about like the working, um, the other parents, right? So the the spouse and I'm like okay well maybe let's do a breakfast or something and it wasn't something that was given a lot of budget or a lot of of, of screen time but we put together a a working parents breakfast and we had a dad come in the room and he started to like tear up and and shed tears because this was the first time he said that someone had asked him how he was doing in the past four months. And he's like, I've been receiving coats and I've been holding diapers and I've been doing all this, but no one has said, how are you? And that just said to me, okay, even if you get everything else wrong today, that person realizes that they exist. And that's because you gave some thought to this process. So that, that brings me joy. I love that too, because I think so often we get into these situations where people just want to be seen. Right. And, and I think that that's, what's so pressing to me when I try to explain to people what it feels like to be um, an underrepresented or marginalized person inside of a company, like you could walk through your whole day and nobody says anything to you. Nobody speaks to you. Nobody smiles at you. And those are the things that make us human, right? Those are the things that give us the motivation to show up and and do, and that weighs on you. That's hard. It's in it. It's hard to be always on the outside. So yeah, that intentionality and just being able to share with people. I see you. I'm here for you. I thought about you. You were important enough to include. Yes. Yes. That's absolutely it. And there are companies that are large companies that I know in the middle of Manhattan, New York, and you go upstairs and you're still the only one, believe it or not. I've like being in DE and I, like I'm the only one. If one of my colleagues on my specific team doesn't show up, like I'm going to be the only one in that office that day. And someone passing by the desk um, and saying hello, or someone even just giving you the head nod, and mm-hmm. and and people of color, uh, we all kind of know the head nod. Especially if you're in New York, you'll often see the head nod on the subway or something like that. But that acknowledgement of "I know you know" it's huge. It gets you out of that zone. So that that brings me joy. That's awesome. That brings me joy too. And I'm so glad that you're around to do that for other people too. 
<laughs> because because it, it is important. It is important that people get an opportunity to be seen. That's part of being able to function. You know, you need you need that recognition. So can you tell me, you know, when we think about diversity, equity, inclusion, we talk about these big words, diversity, equity, inclusion, what does it mean to you? And why do you think it's so important? Why have you dedicated so much of, of your professional life and, and your personal life too, right? To, to these, to these topics. Very early on, it was just diversity. And then it became inclusion. And then it became diversity, equity, inclusion, somewhere out of belonging. <laughs> and I think they're all parts of, of the same coin. In that diversity, to me, means it's, it's your experience, whether it is something that you are born with or born into. And I think about that as being a, a woman, being a Black woman, being a Black woman whose parents are immigrants, whose siblings are immigrants, all of those are part of my diversity. And then I think of the things that I've acquired through my life, right? So the pieces that, um, whether it's traveling or languages you've learned, or so all of those are part of my diversity. And then when I think about equity, it's about having the opportunities and having access to the opportunities such that they're equal to those who are my peers in my past life or, or I guess during my, my time as a DEI professional, I've written a book on millennials in the workforce. And I think about, and I guess I've been called a geriatric millennial is the term for, for folks like me. I got that before too. I was actually called a uh, grandma millennial. And I was like, is that a word? Is that a thing people say? And it was right. I, I, it was 30 seconds before somebody put me on a camera. So they were like, <laughs> we want you to talk about being a millennial. I mean, you're not, you're like a grandma millennial, but still you can talk about it. Now we're on lights, camera. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. I sent the term around to all my friends. Um, and I said, just so you know, when we, you know, at first we'd be like, oh, millennials. And then and then in writing the process, the book writing process, I'm like, oh my gosh, we're millennials. And that was a shockwave years ago. And then in the, I'd say within the past like three months, I was reading a couple of articles and like watching the news and they're like geriatric millennials. I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah. Um, like I, I didn't I'm know just that hitting was- my stride here. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just wrapping my hands around adulting through my life. So like, can we pump the brakes on geriatric? But anyways, like, so thinking about like that cohort, right. Yeah. And so have I had like equal access to the same things as everyone in this cohort has. So that's like the equity piece. Right. Mm-hmm. And then when it comes to inclusion, like, am I, have I had the chance to participate fully at work or in everyday situations? And by participating fully, yes, I might be in the room. Yes, I might be part of the conversation, but are my thoughts or my perspectives being heard and valued the same way as everyone else's? Aren't they being acted upon? Because I, I, I often think as like people say, well, inclusion is about, do you feel like you belong? But for me, and in the work that I do, 
And in the way that I, I think about inclusion, it's not just if the person feels like they belong, but if their manager mm. empowers them to belong, if their company empowers them to, to speak up and to be a part of the solutions and, and not just the diversity, quote unquote, diversity solutions, but part of the business solutions. Right. So that's how I think about DEI. So separately. I want to go back to this um, book that you wrote. First of all, what's the book name? It's called Misunderstood Millennials, The Other 91%. And um, it it talks about millennials in the workforce and how, for the most part, people, especially at the time, thought as millennials being the me, me, me generation and this really uh, selfish and self-gratifying like generation. But if we actually parsed it out by socioeconomic difference, that was actually only 9% of the population. There is still 91% of the population who doesn't have the option of going back home, doesn't have the option of job hopping. Mm -hmm. And they're really dependent on their jobs to provide that opportunity of of learning and development. And the reasons why they're at their job are, are very different from those that have socioeconomic, I guess, longevity and, and who've come from higher prosperity in their lives. So it's it's a different conversation, especially if you're if you're speaking globally. Right. Um, and that's kind of what the the book talks about. Um, it's fascinating because, you know, like a lot of times we try to help people understand that when we're talking about diversity, people often talk about race or sexual uh, you know, orientation, or they'll, they'll think about some of the identities that we talk about. We, we, there's some identities we talk about more when we're talking about diversity, equity, inclusion. But one of the things that people sometimes forget is that there's also this whole conversation about age, even the conversation we just had a minute ago, right? Like throwing a word in, like, what do you mean when you're saying geriatric? What, what's what's the implication that you have there, right? And, and how these words get like used and misused as we talk about age and how sometimes people have these perceptions, whether you're just beginning in your career or you're near retirement, right? Like that people have these perceptions of what you can and cannot do based on your age and also what expectations they have for what they're supposed to deliver for you. Exactly. Exactly. That's, that's huge. And I find that people forget that millennials are in their forties. Like, yeah. so geriatric millennials, I guess, are those who are approaching 40 and who are 40. My friends forget it, right? When we're having conversations that, that we're talking about people who are leaders. Life. Yeah. yeah. They're, they're taking on these roles and yeah. And we're no longer talking about people who are just coming into the workforce. That's the, um, Gen Z population. And those are people who are, you know, still maybe one job in, maybe two jobs in, but certainly much, much more junior in the workforce, probably. And that for the most part, the millennial population is, is well in. And they're the, I guess you can call it the rubber band population for the baby boomers because they're usually their children. And as we lose maybe 
in the U.S. alone, 10,000 baby boomers a day uh, from the workforce. We're replacing that strength with the next highest population, which is the millennial population. Yeah, it's it's fascinating to think about that. And I think it is important for us to do so because, again, sometimes these issues and some of the things that people are experiencing in the workplace have nothing to do with, or I shouldn't say have nothing to do with, have a lot to, to do with how people are perceiving their age band and whatever positive or negative associations that they that they have with it. And that that can be a barrier that, again, so many people experience and some people have, uh, you know, have had some interaction with. So I, I we're almost at the end of our time, but I do have one other question I want to try and sneak in here. Okay. So what do you do when you are trying to advocate for like the importance of diversity, equity, inclusion, whether we're talking about age or race or, or gender or sexual orientation with a colleague who maybe doesn't value it or, or somebody in the workspace that doesn't value it? What do you do to advocate for the, its importance in, with, with individuals who just don't see it? I, I usually try to meet them where they are. So if someone's kind of in this more polarized port of view where every, everything falls into my way or the other way, which is a bad way, I, I don't start talking to them about acceptance and adaptation, right? I start talking to them about, okay, yes, there are parts of your perspective that make absolute sense, but let's think about where we can find common ground across the board. Um, So meeting them at a place where there are commonalities across different cultures. And, and as you said before, right, cultures can be, whether it's ethnicity, whether it's your age cohort, whether it's the fact that you're a shoe addict, like those are all parts of your <laughs> we culture. We should tell the audience, we had a whole conversation about shoes. About and, shoe addiction. And wearing shoes again, because yes. now we're coming back out into the world a little bit more. <laughs> yes. um, and there's, there's a whole other podcast. A whole other podcast. It. Um, like, yeah, full 20 minutes worth at least. But, <laughs> but yeah, so like talking to someone and saying, yes, your perspectives may seem and may be right for you, but for people coming from other perspectives, these are other things that make sense. Mm-hmm. And right, they make sense for they make sense for you too, right? And and trying to build that part of it and then letting that sink in for a little while and yeah. then eventually going to a place of, okay, so if they make sense for you and we're, we're now at a common ground, well, this person makes sense. So we've agreed on that, but now they do have a little bit of a different perspective and here is why. And Maybe their perspective is because of of the different culture they're growing up in or yeah. the different culture that they've been exposed to. So maybe it's interesting to try to get to know that that different culture um, or or try to understand why people react the way they react. If yeah. you don't have to agree with it, just understanding why they do that and build the curiosity there. Yeah. And that's kind of how I start to to build that advocate advocacy part for it. I don't try to jump in and says, "Well, you should believe and you should." There's 
no one has to do anything except for pay taxes and die. And, and, and technically not everyone pays taxes as we're learning. So we just kind of want to, to get to a place where we open people's eyes to that. There are different perspectives and, and getting there. Yeah. Let's, let's move, let's figure out a way to get there together. Um, well, this has been just awesome. It's been so awesome to, to get to you, hear you share some of these ideas more to get to know you better. I know that our audience is probably wondering how they can get connected. So what's the easiest way for them to stay connected to all the things that you're doing? So I, I have to say as a geriatric millennial, I am, um, I am a Facebooker. I am getting up on Instagram. I am, but you can find me on, on Facebook. You can find me on LinkedIn is the best place to reach me. That is definitely um, where I'm most available and uh, where I'm on at least every day. So fantastic. So what we'll do is we'll make sure we put all those links and so you can find Jen in all the places where she's uh, where she's active and you can follow her work. We are so glad and, and we're just so thankful for you being here. So thank you very much for, for your time today. And to all of you who are listening, we're so glad that you were able to join in for this week's episode of Uplifting Impacts podcast. We all believe that we need to have more people up there uplifting the impact. And in order to do that, we're asking that you would consider sharing this information and sharing this episode and commenting on it on our website at upliftingimpact.com. You can always provide your thoughts. We're always curious to hear what you think. um, And please feel free to share those with us on the website or share those with us at LinkedIn. You can do that with Justin Ponder, who's our co-host and my husband, or you can do that with me, Deanna Singh. But until next week, we are so glad that you're here with us, Uplifting Impact. Thanks. And we'll see you soon. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.